You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. And I think Burks could run away with the job. No pun intended. Okay, <laughs> yeah, pun intended. You're only an uncle. You're not a dad yet. <laughs> Stop it. You got me. <laughs> Congratulations, by the way. Um, Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Curra. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, hunt! And we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, Brazilian Thai. That drive from Red Deer to Regina is a killer. <laughs> oh, I bet. <laughs> you ended up uh, messaging me, and I think it was after the Caleros interception in the, in the fourth quarter, saying, I can't believe you drove eight hours for this. <laughs> <laughs> I was almost right. You know what, man? The, the last, you know, 97 seconds or whatever that game made the drive 100% worth it. There were some critical mistakes I made. I could have made the drive in under eight hours, but I get to Kindersley. I had a book full of A&W coupons to use. Mm-hmm. Closed until the 12th for renovations. <laughs> How upset were you? Oh, critical mistake. decided to gas up and go to McDonald's instead because they had this deal on their app where um, you get free fries with any purchase, but they also had $2 Big Macs with the app. So I made my wife download the app, order what she wanted, and get the free fries and I got the $2 Big Mac and a Coke with my app. I am that cheap. You, they only allow you one offer per mobile order, but I found a loophole, and I got two offers, man. <laughs> you radio people are all the same. Stretch <laughs> your penny into a dime if you could. <laughs> Join two and out for CFL Fantasy and CFL Pick'em and show Kura and Ty what you got. They are who we thought they were. Just click cflfantasy.tsn.ca. Enough from talking about it. There has to be consequences. And pick'em.cfl.ca. Oh, my. We had, I guess, all four games were close (laughs) this, Mm -hmm. this week. And we start with an overtime thriller Friday night between the Bombers and the Red Blacks, and Winnipeg controlled, you know, the play for most of the game until late in the in the uh, fourth quarter. Now, the, the narrative going into the game was the CFL's two leading rushers, Andrew Harris for Winnipeg and William Powell for Ottawa, and I don't think either running back disappointed at all. Absolutely not. Uh, 132 yards for Harris. He added in 31 receiving yards. Powell with 95 rushing on 14 carries. Uh, He added in 26 receiving yards and a touchdown. Uh, And now they're within three yards of each other. Uh, You know, they, they performed uh, on, you know, on a night where they were the only game in town. Uh, They showed what they were made of and it, it was awesome to watch. 
we're getting uh, to the point of the year where we've really got to start talking MOP and who's in the MOP discussion. Do you think Andrew Harris is in that discussion? I really think he belongs there. If you if you look at a player that is the most valuable to his team, and I know it's most outstanding and all this stuff, if the Bombers mm-hmm. did not have Andrew Harris, where would mm-hmm. they be? <laughs> yeah, so for me, most outstanding player means he's the best player in the league. Right, and with the wording, right. I, I agree, yeah. Yeah, so it, it's got to be him, Roy, and Powell. Oh, really? All running back? I I, I would think so. Um, you know, I, I would I would consider Bo Levi Mitchell, but I mean, after what happened in Montreal, I know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. Uh, Mike Riley's dropped off. Uh, you know, Masoli maybe. Uh, but I, I just mean, without these two guys, I don't know where these offenses would be. Uh, Ottawa relies a little more on the pass, but I mean, they still need Powell to to establish that run to open up the pass game. So it's kind of a kind of six and one half a dozen the other for that offense uh these these guys are just right now the the two best running backs in the league and and you know i I don't know um like yeah you rely on 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 your offensive line to to make holes for you to run through but a lot of these yards are coming after contact and and, you know making guys miss whereas a, a receiver relies on his quarterback and quarterback relies on receivers to make plays so uh running backs my estimation are a little more out on an island we were i guess this almost reminds me of the uh i know they're not both canadian but kind of the well i guess it wasn't back then either the cornish and uh, sheets battle uh back mm-hmm. in 2013 these guys i think for my money are just as good as those running backs five years ago and that might have been the last time we had two running backs where these guys were just dominant every time they stepped on the field they were rivals they were in the same division so maybe that situation is a little bit different from back then as well ottawa man (laughs) if they could just bottle what they did in the last you know three minutes i don't know if there's a team Mm -hmm. that would be able to beat this team every night but that 174 penalty yards on 12 of them that is not good no that that's uh, horrible. <laughs> that is something that needs to be addressed. They did their best Edmonton Eskimos impression, and it ended up costing them the football game. Um, well, maybe not costing them the football game, but it, it's a huge factor as to why they couldn't get anything going. Uh, granted, there was a little bit of a dive on the unnecessary roughness call, but still, okay. why are you putting? Well, if you're going to put that in the hand of the ref, then you you probably are going to get a penalty every time. Um, who would have thought though with this offense that you know. Fioli Gudino would have 83 yards and a touchdown. No kidding. Against his former team, no less. Right. And, and you know, he, he did get looks in Winnipeg, but he was never a huge part of that offense. And he showed up and made plays when he was called upon and went four for four, uh, four targets, four catches. So that's just huge for that offense to have another weapon in Ottawa. We had two dives this week, and I, I know you know the second one I'm referring to. We're gonna, So we're going to – cross the diving bridge when we get there because there's also the unnecessary roughness bridge that I think needs to be uh, discussed this week as well. We saw a lot of it in the BC Toronto game. We saw a lot of it in Edmonton, Saskatchewan as well. Part of it I think is 
because it's October and everything is the, the intensity is cranked up this time of year. But there was a lot of unnecessary roughness calls this week. It all came down to overtime. Brad Sinopoli had the fumble inside the five fighting for the end zone when he already had the first down. But never should have got to that point because Ottawa penalties. <laughs> they had a big play to get right inside that five-yard line, had a penalty. Ottawa had to fight all the way back to get to that point, and the the fumble ended up ending the game in overtime, but a massive win for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and with Edmonton's loss and BC's win, which we will get to, this 40-32 to win is massive and just makes that West Division Real messy at this point. <laughs> As if it wasn't enough of a crapshoot already. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And you know the team, the the teams in this division, um, they're they're all they all have their own rivalries. Uh, it seems like you know Edmonton, Saskatchewan, just they always seem to play. They're either you know a blowout or they're they're really close. It never seems that you have anything in between where a team keeps it close and a team pulls away or anything like that. Um, you know, and then of course you have Edmonton, Calgary, uh, BC, Winnipeg. In my eyes, is is somewhat of a rivalry just with the whole Andrew Harris aspect. Like every every division game in the West, it, it just means so much more now with the playoffs and and the way the schedule is so backloaded. And every game is just so important for points that it just seems every game is that much more intense. And oh it's yeah, just so much fun. I can only imagine if Saskatchewan lost to Edmonton. I, I would, <laughs> I would no idea what would have happened um, in the as far as the rest of the season goes in the playoff picture. Would have had Khabib McGregor too with you hopping over the rail, probably. <laughs> How about that? Now, I am very ignorant when it comes to mixed martial arts. I'm not going to lie. No idea, really, who this Khabib guy was. Don't really care about what he did, but now I care. <laughs> I'm a fan of this guy. Uh, McGregor, Khabib, too? That's going to make 20% more money, man. Well, after allegedly, and you know, what, what McGregor said about his dad and his religion and his country and everything, I get it. I still don't think he should have jumped over and went after people. I mean, you, you take care of business in the ring, but it became McGregor made it personal. Um, but yeah, they're gonna they're gonna spin this, and I know Dana White said that he was disappointed and everything, but he's a liar. Replay that so they're gonna replay that so much in the upcoming months to, or in the in the lead up to the next match they have, and McGregor's gonna get choked out again. He's gonna lose, but. They're going to make way more money off the second fight, and they're going to use all the footage from this first one. I don't care what anybody says. Um, you know, And eventually Khabib will get paid because uh, I don't know if he's gotten paid yet. Uh, but, yeah, that, that was just nuts. I could just see you jumping over and running right at Chris Jones if the riders would have lost that game and taking the frustrations out. Oh, man. Oh, I drove eight hours for this. You can't even score an offensive touchdown. Actually, no. Well, we kind of knew that coming in, didn't we? Well, yeah, that that part doesn't really surprise me. What surprises me is that there were zero offensive touchdowns in the entire game. You would have thought there'd be at least, you know, 
one. I don't know if that's uh, uh, too much to ask in a, in a CFL game, but uh, I, you know what? For as low scoring it was, it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I guess we should talk about the Bombers. Uh, they're on a pretty sweet win streak right now because just a few weeks ago, I think everybody in Winnipeg thought they were done. Uh, they, they were mm-hmm. kind of crossing them off, saying they're going to miss the playoffs. They're kind of falling out of it. BC's coming on. But as soon as they brought back Weston Dressler, and as soon as Jamarcus Hardrick comes back into the lineup, they look like the, mm-hmm. the team that they looked like at the beginning of the year, the, the Grey Cup, you know, contenders. Getting veteran starters, especially yeah. on the old line. Yeah, uh, that, That's huge for any team. And Weston Dresser, second down uh, conversion machine. So that, that's huge for this team. Matt Nichols has another safety valve, uh, whether it's Andrew Harrisman on the backfield or he knows he can get the ball to Dresser and, and convert those second downs. And they capitalized um, you know, on, on the opportunities that Ottawa gave them, whether it be with penalties or on their own. Uh, and, yeah, three three games in a row now. They're probably they're going to avoid the crossover by the looks of things if things keep going this way. Um and, and you know to play, playing your own division. I mean, they're they're kind of they're kind of caught in the middle as it is. Uh, they need to like they're going to be in a different time zone regardless. It was just if you can stay a little closer to home, it might be a little bit better. But that, I I just don't know what this team will be come playoff time. Like there's just too much football left. Things can happen, and we've seen we've seen this team get riddled by the injury bug far too often uh, in the last couple of years. So it's just temper expectation and just wait and make sure everybody comes in to playoffs healthy because it's they're pretty much wrapped up a spot now let's go to vancouver where the bc lions end up beating the toronto argonauts 26 23 uh it was 26 10 uh, in the fourth quarter and the argos mm-hmm. ended up fighting back after Macbeth ended up getting the hook and james franklin came in and looked really good but the story of this game is what happened before with Ed Hervey calling out Jonathan Jennings, saying the best quarterbacks in this league spend the most time in the facility to hone their craft to become elite quarterbacks. And then Jennings' agent comes out and says Hervey would know that Jennings was in the building if he wasn't the last to the building every single day, which, I mean, it's the GM. Is he supposed to show up first every day? I really don't get that response at all, but... This is nothing new from Ed Hervey. Nope. It's not. No, it, 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 to me, his act gets old quick. Like, I, I understand the motivation of calling players out um, to an extent. Uh, I don't think it needed to be done when, you know, the lines have come in. What, this made it four of the last five, so it would have been three of the last four. You know, everything was kind of looking up. Kind of maybe had the Chris Rainey thing figured out. Uh, Burnham and Posey on the in the receiving core have looked way better. Uh, Jennings has been playing all right. Hasn't been a world beater by any means. But then Herbie to come out and say this: like your team is trying is fighting for a playoff spot right now, trying to stay out of the West Basement. Uh, like I, I don't I don't get it. I, I do not see what the point is at this time in the season with everything going the way it is in BC. Well, and I think uh, the. The biggest problem with Jennings is his confidence. and <laughs> This, this isn't going to help. No, exactly. And I think he wants to know that his teammates and the organization believe in him. I know that Lule has pretty much been given the starting job 
back, but Jennings really did an all right job for a backup quarterback, if you want to consider him that, uh, while Lule has been out. And Lule is going to be back next week, but you got to think the pressure is on Ed Hervey as well. I know that uh, this is Wally Buono's last season. They've done uh, actually a pretty good job of not letting that become a distraction in BC, but there's also the sale um, of the Lions looming, and who knows if that actually does happen this offseason, but would a new owner want to keep Ed around if they just see, oh, the Lions missed the playoffs? And I heard them talking, Rod and Luke talking about this on CKRM. Would they want to keep uh, Hervey around and if they don't make the playoffs, I, I think it's a legitimate question. Well, so two things, Hervey will be gone. If it, if the, if there is new ownership, he might, you know, get to finish his contract. Um, but it happens in every sport. New owners come in, they bring in their own people. Right. And everybody bitches, bitches and moans about it, but it's just the same as in business. When somebody moves over, they tend to bring, if that person becomes available from the place where they worked before and they've worked with them and they like them and they know what they are, they will bring them with them or bring them in at a later date. It, it's what happens. It's going to happen. Um, you know, GMs, coaches are hired to be fired. They are. <laughs> there, wrong, there is right? no – how many coaches – I know Buono's basically doing it this year – just get to go, oh, this is my last year. I'm uh, I'm packing it in. It never Unless happens. Unless you coached for the Steelers, who yeah. have had three coaches in their entire existence. It's incredible. You have zero job security as a coach, manager of a baseball team, anything. Second thing, getting back to the Jeremiah or the Jonathan Jennings at everything, the only thing I can think of is that he's crapping on Jennings so that nobody signs him in the offseason. Well, and I've, and I I kind of think Jennings that's is what he's, good that's as what done there anyway. That's an, that's an a-hole move. Wow. It, <laughs> Would right. it to be to do you think he'd be doing that to get him at a discount or I, I don't know what it's necessarily a discount, but he's proved that he can make it work with him and Lule on the roster. So, you know, saying he's not he doesn't prepare well, he's not here enough, all this stuff, other teams might look at that as a character issue and not want to offer him a contract and he's able to get him back at maybe a discount, right? Because he knows there's no other offers out there. I, I'm just spitballing. I don't know that for sure. But knowing Ed Hervey, I wouldn't be surprised. The Lions have won four of five. Uh, they now sit at seven and seven, but they're just a completely different team home and away. Six and one at home, mm-hmm. one and six on the road. <laughs> it's it's absolutely crazy how different they are when they are away from home. But Jonathan Jennings has an okay game, 14 of 24 for 199, an interception. He had some big rushing uh, points as well, 3 for 47 there. I think what's big is Jeremiah Johnson got 19 carries. What happened? Yeah, this is the week he gets carries, and I didn't pick him. Well, and this is the week he gets carries, and now Tyrell Sutton's going to be the starter next week. (laughs) So who knows if he even gets on the roster. I know the CFL trade deadline is this week. We'll see if any teams make any moves. I feel like it's a little bit easier for a running back to come in and make an impact uh, after a trade. We saw it with uh, C.J. Gable last year going to Edmonton. 
it's it's pretty tough for receivers to uh, get in there and make an impact right away. I mean, look at Deron Carter, and we'll get to him uh, right away when we talk about this game. But uh, maybe Jeremiah Johnson is on the block. It hasn't been talked about, but they have a wealth of uh, running back talent in BC. That is a distinct possibility. I mean, they do have an abundance of running backs right now. Um, you know, and to split carries continually is not an ideal situation for any of them. It's like having three three goalies at a hockey practice. Uh, it just yeah. doesn't work that well. Um, maybe the high usage rate showcase them a little bit, see what they can get. Um, I like offensive line wouldn't be a bad ad for this team right now uh, with the amount of injuries they've had in the last couple of weeks. So that, that's a distinct possibility as well. Like that's that's a great point. Raise your hand if you had Corey Watson as the the Lions' leading receiver going into this one. Yeah, my hand, I, my hand is uh, on my computer mouse. <laughs> my hands are on my hips. Uh, <laughs> are you doing the macarena? <laughs> yeah, Watson had four catches on six targets for sixty-five yards and a touchdown. Um, Ty Long, though, oh yeah. Six for seven on field goals. And there is an example of a punter that can flip the field. It's incredible what he can do. And uh, I, I'm just jealous of BC Lions fans. As a Ryder fan, man, I think the punting game really needs an improvement in the offseason. I think it's too late to fix that in Saskatchewan. But uh, I, I think that probably should be addressed in the offseason. Devere Posey had six targets, but couldn't really make much happen with him. He only had the two catches for 34 yards. On the Toronto side of things, it was just a disaster for McLeod Bethel Thompson. I had the Lions defense, so I was I was happy with what happened. I would have, have liked to have a uh, return or two for a touchdown. It wasn't to be, but McBeth goes 11 of 18 for 97 yards. So there it is, kind of a tragedy like the real McBeth. James Franklin ends up coming in, 9 of 14, 103 yards, two touchdowns, but he also had four carries for 61 rushing yards. Franklin, it already has been announced, will be the starter for this weekend's game against Hamilton. But uh, it, it's it's kind of crazy to me that Tressman was so, so uh, impatient with Franklin earlier in the season. But then he gave Macbeth every single uh, opportunity yeah. to succeed. It's clear that Bethel Thompson was Tressman's guy going into the season. But it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with the quarterbacks uh, in Toronto going into next year. Yeah, I'm assuming Ricky Ray will be healthy. Whether or not he'll still be there or wanting to play or able to play is another story. Um, I I thought James Franklin should have had the starting job from the get-go. Right. Ray went down. I don't think it should have been up for discussion. Um, you know, he's got a not a wealth of experience, uh, but you know, more experience than McLeod Bethel Thompson. And, you know, to give him a short leash, I, I understand early in the year when, you know, you're, you're still trying to to hold on or, you know, stay close in a playoff race. But at the point where it, your season was pretty much not only slipping away, but more or less gone, um, I, I don't get why Franklin wasn't put in earlier. Uh, and, and see what you actually have. What are you learning from these two-yard quarterback dives into the end zone. I don't get it. Uh, Brandon Burks has his first start with James Wilder Jr. out, and he has eight carries for 92 yards. 
He has three catches for 10 yards, and there was a drop there that might have been a sure touchdown. So if you had him in your lineup, I mean, you get your 13 points, and I think Brandon Burks has a lot uh, to to give, and he's going to have himself a nice CFL career if he decides to stick around. I think that is, I think it's a legitimate question. Burks gets the rest of the season. Uh, it looks like James Wilder is going to be out next week against Hamilton as well. And then it's an open competition, I think, at running back next training camp for the Argos. And I think Burks could run away with the job. No pun intended. <laughs> Okay, yeah. pun intended. You're only an Stop uncle. It. You're not a dad yet. <laughs> Stop it. You got me. <laughs> Congratulations, by the way. Hey, um, thanks, buddy. Yeah, Brandon Burks could definitely take this job. James Wilder Jr. has not been the James Wilder Jr. that we saw last year. Um, you know, he averaged 11 and a half yards on eight carries. Like, how does he only get eight carries with that average? I get it. They were losing, but. He's obviously making stuff happen on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, but, yeah, the competition camp, if Wilder comes back, it, it could be a really interesting watch, something to follow. Uh, you know, this team, just once Ray went down, we are complete disarray, and we really thought Wilder was going to be the one to be that stabilizing factor and, and help them get through it. Uh, and, you know, having veterans on that defensive side, which all got injured at some point, so that was just kind of a crapshoot. Uh but Wilder just never really returned to form, and, and Burke showed that, that he can do the job, and it's probably going to be a little bit cheaper as long as he doesn't hold out. And they were just brutal with penalties in this one. The, the Argos mm-hmm. just, uh, they have been brutal when it comes to penalties this season. Kind of unfair. Especially, especially the time count violations. Oh, yeah. It's, Coming out of timeouts. How do you, how does that happen? It's just uncharacteristic for Tressman teams, and, I think this is the most upset I've ever seen him on the sideline as well. It's I great, can't isn't it? blame him. I can't blame him at all. Uh, but Deron Carter has five targets, two catches for 41 yards. He had a touchdown. He also had return yards, 13 fantasy points. That might be his best fantasy game of the season. I know it sounds crazy to say, but the bulk of his targets came after SJ Green ended up getting smashed by Jordan Mm -hmm. Herdman, and this is where football is going, and I know it's a delicate conversation with concussions and head injuries and things like that, but I'm not going to call Herdman a dirty player for that hit. He got his head out of the way, and those hits don't happen all the time. Football's a dangerous game. When you're running full speed down in the middle of the field, those things happen with middle linebackers. And I I thought, well, I mean, he could have went lower and, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. hit him more in the midsection. It's just one of those unfortunate uh, things. And he ended up getting called for unnecessary roughness there as well. What I thought interesting was the discussion from the panel at halftime with Matt Dunnigan saying, hey, that's just a football play. And then something happens to Mike Riley and he ends up getting – uh, defensive about Zach Evans hitting Mike Riley there. So uh, I think oh, weird. the quarterback defending the quarterback there, but mm-hmm. he should be sympathetic to these, you know, head injuries as well. But I really didn't think the hit was that bad or nothing uh, to write home no. about. It is unfortunate that SJ ended up getting hurt uh, and apparently he's on the trade block, 
We don't know what he'll be worth now or if he'll be able to play this week. I'm sure they've got the concussion protocol stuff to go through with SJ Green. But maybe there is an opportunity for Duran to have, uh, I don't know, a nice few games to wrap up this season. That that could be all he needs is an opportunity where he is the number one target. Um, we've seen it before. He's more than capable in this league. Uh, like you said, it, it was actually his second best output, which, I mean, his best one was only 14.9. Ah. So, like, three catches on 59 yards, one touchdown. So it wasn't that much better uh, than it was on Friday night. Uh, but, yeah, with SJ going down, you know, that's a huge blow to that offense. And, you know, it's just he does so much for that for that passing game. It's it's unbelievable. Uh, you know, the, the amount of times that he has gone up and come down with catches that he's had no business coming down with to keep drives alive and, and score touchdowns for this team. At, well, you know, even when he was in Montreal doing the same thing, it's just it, it's it sucks that he gets hurt and, and you know, Herdman, whether or not you agree, dirty, clean, should have been a penalty, should not. I mean, that stuff like that's going to happen. I, I had no problem with it, but it, it just sucks to see a guy like SJ Green yeah. go down with to an injury, and especially not knowing how long it could be. And, and if he is on the trade block, uh, this doesn't help his value at all. I, uh, I'm i just shocked that the pass ended up still being complete. Uh, the ball just kind of <laughs> landed on him, and he put his hand on it, and it uh, and it counted. Mm-hmm. But uh, SJ Green's a warrior, and I think he's one of the best receivers that we've ever been able to see play in Canada. Uh, and he was still coaching receivers and things on the sidelines, mm-hmm. uh, still getting into the game that way. What I found interesting about Duran, and Suter ended up mentioning it during the, po- or the broadcast, was... Duran looked like he was holding back. Uh, he wanted to celebrate a few times <laughs> and ended up just not doing it. it. You know what he reminded me of? Of uh, Happy Gilmore when he goes to the, the putter throw. <laughs> and then Here comes it... the patented putter throw. Oh, no. He seems to have held himself back. <laughs> that was Duran Carter to a T on Saturday night. <laughs> Oh no, I can't. I gotta watch Happy Gilmore. <laughs> so good for you, Duran, for holding back. But uh, at the same time, I wanted to see uh, some of that old Duran coming out a little bit. Uh, we got to say thank you to ATB Financial. Uh, they're proud sponsors of the Alberta Podcast Network, and they actually have a new podcast out called "We Are Alberta." It's hosted by ATB economist Nick Ford. Uh, they're releasing episodes monthly. The first one was about the legalization of cannabis. And the uh, new episode that actually just came out today is about uh, the shape of Alberta's energy sector and the way it is changing as we head into the future. Uh, so check that out, atb.com slash wearealberta. It's atb.com slash wearealberta. And that monthly podcast with ATB economist Nick Ford. Now we head to Thanksgiving where... Yes, sir. Uh, people had a lot of turkey and watched a lot of football. Did you actually eat butter and salt for Thanksgiving? No. <laughs> Did you have at least a spoonful? <laughs> well, I mean, there was butter on my peas. That's it. And a little bit on the steak. Well, good for was you, buddy. Just, was it just me, or has Dwayne Ford had enough of Rod Black? Oh, <laughs> he looked... I do not want any 
of this turkey. And then Rod Black ended up saying, are you just tired of working with me? I knew he was going to say cold turkey. I knew he was going to say it. And I was so mad that I was knew it was coming. I almost threw something on my TV. <laughs> but it was like that episode, It was like that scene from 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 separately. He's like, "You want to punch me in the face right now, don't you? <laughs> you, you? Punch me! Punch me right in the face!" And I'm like, "Oh man!" I, just a look on Forty's face was like, oh, "Just get me out of here." <laughs> I wasn't uh, home for Thanksgiving, but I went to a restaurant in Regina and uh, ended up having a turkey dinner. So uh, I I did have turkey stuffing and pumpkin pie and all the good stuff. I hope you uh, are enjoying your leftovers if you're still eating turkey. But Calgary beats Montreal 12-6. It was 6-0 Montreal at halftime. And if we're picking against the spread, I called the Alouettes winning. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, everybody gets one. Okay, this is the ugliest way (laughs) for a team to erase a losing streak in Montreal. I can't think of an uglier way that it could have possibly happened. No, this was not fun to watch at all. Well, I I watched it PVR'd this morning. Uh, Only took about an hour. Uh, Had some breakfast. Rod Black did not help. (laughs) I had some peanut butter toast. uh, Eggs on buttered toast. It was a it was an enjoyable game to watch. Uh, after I me- had <laughs> I had three Advil for breakfast <laughs> because I laid in my bed. I didn't look out a window for over fifty hours this weekend. I didn't even go upstairs uh, once I got home from work on Saturday. So my whole body was pretty seized up this morning from doing absolutely nothing but watching sports all weekend. <laughs> this is really incredible to really think about. Bo Levi earns his first career victory in Montreal. Only the third still, start, aren't the Ticats and Argos winless against, well, oh, the Grey Cup changed the Argos. <laughs> <laughs> and hey But, man, it's insane. The, uh, the, the Ticats might be winless against the spread against Calgary. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So I mean. Bo goes 20 of 34 for 199 yards. He throws three interceptions. It, it was just not a good game for Bo. Uh, Eric Rogers comes right back in. He has 10 targets. So it almost seems like no matter what, Bo is going to try and look for him. He only had the six catches for 38 yards, but Eric Rogers is just uh, dominant here. Uh, Terry Williams ends up having the rushing touchdown. So if you took Don Jackson, you were not happy. On the same side of things, if you had Terry Williams, he had uh, the return touchdown called back due to uh, penalty mm-hmm. there. So you're not happy about that. <laughs> well, and, you know, Bo Levi even mentioned leading up to this game that we had a couple guys that maybe spent too much ni- too many nights uh, pregame out on the town in Montreal. I mean, you only get to go once a year. Uh, <laughs> it looked like that entire team spent Sunday night on Crescent Street. Well, they woke up with about, I don't know, six minutes left in the fourth. <laughs> well, that's when they sobered up. It like, <laughs> oh, my goodness. And can oh. we do something about the seagulls in Montreal? Uh, what can you do? Put baking soda on bread? Start shooting them? <laughs> uh, 
Hey, I think it's illegal to kill uh, it is. seagulls in Canada. Because they eat garbage? Is that really the way we defeat pollution? Release seagulls <laughs> into the environment? It might be illegal to kill them, but if they fly into my truck grill, it is not my fault. <laughs> oh, you're just going to take your truck for a rip down at Percival Molson and take out a bunch of seagulls or what? I want to know. And, and believe I while I'm at it. Is there any fans that got crapped on? Had to have. And like, had to have. So, so the Ticats lose their minds over the Lions dancing on the Ticats logo. What do the Owls do if a seagull drops some bombs on an Owls logo? That would sum up their season. <laughs> it would be like, oh, it's about time somebody else did this on our field other than us. <laughs> Johnny Manziel. Yeah, I guess that's more money in the swear jar, isn't it? I I think this, this is about a hundred bucks right here. Uh, they're <laughs> Johnny, like not going to Grey Cup. <laughs> Johnny Manziel goes eighteen of twenty nine for two hundred and fifty yards. He had the one interception. Um, I mean, the game was okay, uh, all things considered, for Manziel against one mm-hmm. of the best defenses in the CFL. They had an all Canadian offensive line and a. No matter who they have in at offensive line, no matter what passport they have at offensive line in Montreal, it's back to the drawing board again again in the offseason. And Cavis made a ton of moves, um, all on both sides of the ball heading into this year. And now he's traded away draft picks. and uh, Yeah, we know he's not getting an offensive lineman in the draft. Is he still going to have a job a, a, next a top- year? A top, a top level offensive lineman. So I, I, he needs to make another trade to get a draft pick, which means losing somebody because that O line doesn't get fixed. I, if I'm, if I'm the Wentonhalls, he's gone. Like, he, nothing changes on that offensive line. See you later. Is he still going to have a job next year? I, if I'm the Wentonhalls, I wouldn't even entertain the fact. But well, we know, we know Montreal. He's still <laughs> going to have a job more than likely. <laughs> Uh, Standback has 12 carries for 67 yards. Ernest Jackson, six catches for 56 yards. And Adarius Bowman had five catches for 58 yards. So uh, Manziel's got some, you know, veteran receivers to rely on a little bit there. But, I mean, uh, when it happened late in the fourth quarter, it kind of seemed like Calgary woke up a little bit. And uh, especially their defense. Manziel was just running for his life. Uh, late mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter, and he made uh, some Brazilian tie esque decisions there late in the game. <laughs> oh, that tweet was some of my best work. Two thirty, Friday night, as he's on the border in Lloyd Minster, Brazilian ties on the prowl, ends up going home with twelve chicken strips from Seven Eleven, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Turn on the Muppets movie and fall asleep on the couch. Oh, man. So uh, that's all you need to know. Calgary wins (laughs) 12-6. Montreal is out of the playoffs. Calgary still has not clinched first place, and that might be good for the Stampeders the last few weeks of the season Mm -hmm. because that has not been the case in the past. Uh, Let's talk about Saskatchewan beating Montreal, or not beating Montreal, beating Edmonton 19-12, the second half of that doubleheader. 
No offensive TDs in this game. And I think Rob Vanstone ended up tweeting, it was the first time that uh, this has happened in a Ryder game since 2001. Uh, Willie Jefferson with his second interception touchdown of the season. I uh, I kind of think that maybe Willie is the defensive MOP for the Riders now. It was Charleston Hughes at the beginning of the season. And, I mean, Hughes is still playing out of his mind as well. The sack he had on Riley in this one is just Hughes and his effort and his motor that never stops and uh, ended up finishing the play with the sack on Mike Riley. But Willie Jefferson, he might just be the best defender in the CFL. Uh, he sniffs out every play, it seems. Uh, you know, if he drops back in the coverage, he's in the right spot. Uh, it seems almost every time to make a play, if he's rushing the quarterback, he seems to... He might not get the sack, but I mean, he he can move that offensive line back and open up holes for his teammates. He just does everything right on the defensive side of the ball. It's, it's awesome to watch. Well, and that wingspan he has, <laughs> oh. he's always waving them everywhere, and I gotta assume quarterbacks go crazy over it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. I, I mean, if you can't see where you're throwing the ball, like, I mean, you look at Manziel. If he had an offensive line, he'd probably he would look a heck of a lot better. He would. Um, that. That being said, when you can't see over your offensive line, it's a little tough. Uh, Willie Jefferson with his hands up, that whole offensive line or defensive line, sorry, is so good at getting their hands up, uh, getting pressure on the quarterback that this makes it hell for opposing quarterbacks. And like you said, drives them nuts because it's like you see those hands and, and it affects your throw even though uh, you might not, you, there might not be any chance you're going to hit them. Uh, it's just, you know, you're still going to alter your throw and that could, that could lead to lead to interceptions from the DBs just as easily as getting a knockdown uh, from that defensive line. It was a good week for D-linemen and interceptions. Davon Coleman mm-hmm. for the Lions had two, which, I mean, how often do you That defensive that? line almost had three. But yes! The last one was dropped. <laughs> uh, I've seen a lot of Edmonton fans say that the officials were out to get them, but Saskatchewan oh, had 11 penalties for 110 yards. Um, 95 of those came in the first half. And this was really interesting. I listened to Chris Jones' post-game conference. He said that they scout uh, officiating crews before games. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Bradbury's crew gives out the most unnecessary roughness calls in the league. And they got a little trigger happy with the unnecessary roughness, I thought, in this one. It was an intense game. I mean, they were chirping back and forth. Thigpen ended up getting smashed on a special teams play. Uh, I know uh, I know. J.C. Sherrod gave Jordan Williams-Lambert a shot that knocked him out of the game as well. But uh, I, I really didn't think that team scout officiating crews, to be honest. <laughs> I, I think it happens in almost every sport. Um... If, if it doesn't, if they're not scouted necessarily, uh, you know, in the course of a game, they will scout. Uh, and it, I, I, I know I keep harking back to other leagues and stuff, but it happened in a Pittsburgh Kansas City game. They knew that the, the left tackle, uh, you know, holds guys, and, and he does. And he hand on the outside of the pad shelf. They will tell the ref this in the beginning of the game to watch for it. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's yeah, not necessarily yeah. scouting the referees, but you're you're scouting what you can exploit. And eventually, and it got called on a touchdown pass that is now you know pushing the defense or pushing the offense back ten yards. You only give up the field goal. Pittsburgh ends up winning the game. But it's little stuff like that, not necessarily scouting 
not only scouting officials, but scouting other teams and maybe not just their plays, but their tendencies, like stuff like that. Um, I mean, if you want to spend the time to scout officials, uh, especially in football, I would not want to be the one tasked with that job. But uh, if it helps you win football games, then more power to you. Let's go through Edmonton's offense or lack thereof first. Um, Riley, 13 of 27 for 222 Mm -hmm. yards, three interceptions. He had eight rushes for 57 yards, which Saskatchewan made the halftime adjustments there. In, In the second half, Chris Jones sent five or more pass rushers on every play except for... Uh, the Hail Mary at the end of the game. So Mike Riley wasn't able to rush anymore, and he was kind of carving the riders a little bit on the ground in the first half. Um, Other than that, the Eskimo offense has fallen off a cliff, and now it is panic time. There's, I don't think there's any other way to look at it here. Vidal Hazelton had some costly drops in this one. We know he's able to play at a much higher level. Kenny Stafford is able to as well. He did nothing. Duke Williams, six of eight for 72 yards. And they probably didn't give Gable the ball enough. He had 12 carries for 56 yards. And I mean, they're able to get yards with Gable, but then they just became really predictable. And Chris Jones ate him up. Yeah, and, and this is becoming a broken record with C.J. Gable. Uh, we know he can run the ball. His team knows he can run the ball. His offensive coordinator knows he can run the ball. Yet they continually do not give him the football. Yeah. And, and you know, Duke Williams going down. Sorry, not going down, but I mean, 6 of 8, 78 yards. No, not that's not your typical Duke Williams game. No, no, it's not. Right, and like you said, this offense has fallen off a cliff. Well, Darrell Walker went down. Who would have thought that'd be that big of a, of a loss? But then you look at it. Well, Bowman's not here anymore. Zilt, the, the off the the offensive depth and the wide receiver depth just isn't what it was last year. And and now we're starting to see it. And things need to turn around in a hurry, or else they can they might miss the playoffs. I know. Thought that who would have thought that coming into this year? Like that that sounds like blasphemy. But they are on the verge of missing the playoffs, and that is not good for this football club. I'm thinking that Benavides is going to get the blame, but I'm I'm not convinced that he is to blame um, here. the The Eskimos' defensive line was able to really shut down Saskatchewan and their rushing game, but again, they didn't give up a touchdown. They they played well well enough against Winnipeg. It was just the turnovers that crushed them. The Eskimo defense is not playing terrible. No, um, and, and the offense has become one-dimensional. Uh, you know, they're not running the ball, and teams are finding ways, whether it be with double coverages, brackets, you know, as a man-zone combo. They're just finding ways to shut down this receiving court. Uh, to a point. I mean, Brant Mitchell still 93 yards, but I mean, they're not letting guys hurt them and score and score points. And without the aerial attack that this team has and is utilized in the last couple of years, they, they just seem anemic, and, it, and it's not good. 
Um, you know, I would almost uh, – I, I don't know how you put it on the defense. I mean, they held – they held Saskatchewan to, to 19 points and, and lost the football game. You need to score more than 12 uh, unless you're playing Montreal to win football games. And, <laughs> you know, this, the offense hasn't been good for a while. It just seems that something's missing, whether that's Darrell Walker or, you know, they're, they're operating with such long fields as well. Yeah. Uh, that's not helping. Uh, it, there's just, it's a whole, there's a whole bunch of issues in Edmonton. I think it goes deeper than we, than it looks. Uh, and I, I don't, I don't want to say it's a sole re- or a reason or an excuse or anything, but Mike Riley had another baby in the middle of the season. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that you know, I, I am not a parent, but I've lived with a with a with a kid for 18 months from from the day she was born till she was 18 months old, and I lost sleep. She's not even my kid. <laughs> I mean, just imagine what life is like at the Riley household. <laughs> hey, that's a new one. Well, really, like, I, I, I'll never understand a professional athlete do this in the middle of the season. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I once told my wife, if we're going to have kids, it has to be during the off season. And I'm a podcaster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, God, God forbid a woman ever <laughs> falls in love with me. She's like, it. It would be the worst thing in the world for her. Uh, there is no like there is no off season for me because like let's let's be honest here, hockey's firing up right now, so I'm not I'm not stepping away from that. And that playoffs fall away to June and then by that time Jays are in full swing, CFL's in full swing, and that rolls right back into baseball playoffs and hockey and it's just a vicious cycle. So there's never really a good time for me to have kids. When's your ideal sounds- month? Pardon? When's your ideal month? It's got to be right around the... Right now. It's right now. Really? I, I would put it after the All-Star game in the NHL because... No. Well... No, because right now, right now, that my Saturday consisted of watching... No, it was my Friday night. It consisted of watching four hockey games at once on my NHL TV account because you can run quad screen, watching playoff baseball on my iPad, and the Argo game on my TV. <laughs> so, if, and NBA is firing up here in a week. So, if Brazilian Thai had a mating season, it would run from. <laughs> it would you run. Know, from, no, you know, you know the All Star break. Yeah, yeah. Major League Baseball. There was like three days with no sports. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Well, I figured Brazilian Thai's mating season runs from about Boxing Day to January, you know, 15th. Until I go back to work, yeah. So, okay, so there, there's your there's your rut coming up uh, after <laughs> Christmas Day. You better get to work, man. I think Ezzy's and Lloyd's closed, so I don't know where you're going to go, but. Uh, the liquor store? <laughs> just. Hey, there's a liquor store open on Christmas. I, I can just go there and look lonely and pitiful. Somebody will take me home. <laughs> uh, what did you make of Duke Williams' dive? Because I thought he had a hell of a job on it. That's, you remember how The Rock used to sell Stone Cold Stunners? Yes. Yeah, exactly. I, like, I thought he did great at it, but there's one problem. I think he pissed off Nick Marshall in the process. And from, <laughs> from that moment on, 
Marshall woke up and mm-hmm. played a hell of a game. Yeah. Uh, professional athletes tend to not like to be shown up. Uh, granted, this wasn't showboating was trying to draw a penalty, but Nick Marshall knew that he didn't push him hard enough to warrant that. Uh, I think it was like, really? And yeah, it just like a, a switch went off in Marshall's head and that was it. And Marshall would have had a better game if that quarterback sneak that went for 30, 35 yards didn't get called back because of <laughs> uh, a holding call. Um, the Ryder offense, to be frank, wasn't much better. They nope. they were able to have, you know what, I don't think that Caleros was horrible here. The, the interception was bad, but Caleros goes 25 of 38 for 259, and he had the bad interception, and he had one rush uh, for nine yards. But the there was no rushing game, so the short passes ended up becoming Saskatchewan's rushing game. And there is just so much room for error when you go with that strategy. I really am not a fan of it at all because Almondo Sewell was just blowing up the Ryder interior offensive lineman here. He had a great game, and Trey Mason got nothing done on the ground. Yeah, and when you throw the ball, there's three things that can happen, and two of them are bad. Yes. So the more the more times you throw, I don't care how high percentage throws these are or they were, at some point uh, there's going to be a return to the mean and those passes are not going to work. Yeah. Uh, they, when your leading rusher is only getting 20 yards, something needs to be looked at, Stephen McAdoo. Well, and you know what? <laughs> Last year, Riders arguably had the best receiving core in the league. Now, I think they're bottom two. And... Yep. Uh, Brian Jones, bless him. He had a terrible drop <laughs> late in the game. I, I, I'm, a, I'm assuming you're putting Montreal at the bottom. I'm putting Toronto at the bottom, I think. Well, really? No. No, really? no, no. I think Saskatchewan's not at the bottom. Not if, SJ, not if SJ is healthy and Levi Noel and I'm. Duran Carter, yeah. Now Duran Carter. There's no way they're at the bottom. I, I, think, I honestly think that it's Montreal. It's, it's between Saskatchewan and Montreal. Yeah. Um,. I get six of one, half a dozen of the other. <laughs> Caloros, well, and you know what? Montreal's got veteran guys there. Um, I, I know Naaman Roosevelt. Yeah, who liked to drop the ball. <laughs> Naaman Roosevelt wasn't playing in this game, and that, that kind of changes the, the discussion a little bit. Mm-hmm. But oh, for sure. I really liked what Caleros did. Uh, Brian Jones had a bad drop, went right back to him on the next drive, and he made himself uh, a couple catches. Kenny Shaw had a sure touchdown pass go off his face. And <laughs> and Caleros ended up going back to him, and Shaw actually had a couple costly mistakes by being out of bounds and that drop as well. And Shaq Evans, I mean, he goes six catches on eight targets for 59 yards. So he's not getting any support with the receiving core, whether it's injury or just uh, – redistributing the salary cap. And let's face it, that's what they did. They they wanted to get a quarterback, so they had to get rid of some expensive receivers. And I think this is what we're seeing. But I do not deny that there's a lot of potential in the rider receiving core. Williams Lambert and Shaq Evans could be great receivers in this league for years to come. Mm-hmm. And Williams Lambert did not look happy at the end of that game. No. Uh, after taking that hit from Sherrod. Uh you know, he he looks like a guy that has the potential to 
be a 1,500-yard receiver in this league. He does. No, he, he does. He, he's got the hands. He's got the size. Uh, he makes things happen out there. And, it, you know, if it, if him playing pissed off is better than what he what he has done, I'll take it. Uh, you know, I, I get it. He's young and, and his, you know, potential is what it is. It's, it's potential. It doesn't yeah. mean anything. Uh, but, you know, if he can keep getting reps and, you know, these veteran guys are, you know, they're going to try pushing him around and everything. And, and he's going to, he's going to learn the tricks of his trade on, on how to beat those, beat those DBs and, and corners and, you know, beat coverages. And it, it could be a really huge asset for this rider offense. couple more things from this game. Willie Jefferson uh, has the pick six late in the game. And I actually rewatched that play. From when he got to the five-yard line and started running across the field, he mm-hmm. killed about 12 seconds off the mm-hmm. clock. And watching him. Yes. So, so watching him, and I watched that play about five times today. Well, we'll, we'll put it at more because there was a lot of layers to that play that we got to talk about. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> Willie was not taunting in the same way he did at the Banjo Bowl. And I had this discussion with my wife. I said, I understand Eskimo fans are going to be mad about it, and I'm okay if you're mad about it. But that is is not. You should be mad about it. Yeah. It's not the same play that happened at the Banjo Bowl when he started taunting, you know, 47 yards (laughs) before he made it. great. Hey, I liked it too, uh, before it made it to the end zone. But it's got to be on Eskimos, too, for not getting to him for 12 to 15 seconds. Yeah, you could have forced him into the end zone. I know it sounds weird. Well, I know, yeah. But, I mean, you do save time. We've seen it in in the NFL. Step aside Uh, and let him score because the clock rules suck. Not only that, yeah, the clock rules are dumb. Uh, Westbrook. For the Philadelphia Eagles, oh yeah, <laughs> ruined ruined a spread, a money line, and about three million people's fantasy teams by falling down at the one to kill the clock. Yep, wow, now that that showboating as well. Yeah, yeah. do I have a problem with it? No. Did my bank account? Yes. Totally different. <laughs> but after the play. There was a long, long review that had, I think, Mosaic Stadium worried or confused because we talk about making the game day production better. Nothing was said in stadium about what was happening. I uh, Yeah, that sounds about right. I messaged you. I messaged my brother. I'm like, what's going on here? Uh, there's a review of a high hit from uh, Zach Evans and his hit on Mike Riley on the interception. Um their face masks made contact. There is no disputing that. But nope. I watched that play a lot today. And C.J. Gable went to block Shaq Evans. He bumped up and hit Zach Evans' head higher, which made his face face-to-face with... Uh, with Mike Riley, it, it was mm-hmm. – I get that he kind of slammed him down or landed on top of him uh, after the tackle as well, but I don't know what Zach Evans is supposed to do in that situation when there's the running back right there basically popping your head into the quarterbacks. Okay, so so may I? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, 
Face mask to face mask, in my opinion, should not be a penalty. Now, the wording in the CFL rulebook is any blow to the passer above the shoulders. Yeah, yeah. What is a blow? I that that I I do not know. Well, last year we saw taps like on the helmet right? with a hand. So is it is a blow a forceful a forceful amount of contact? Is it any contact? What is it? Um, he didn't lead with the helmet. Uh, two years ago, face mask contact to a helmet was not a penalty in the rule book. That might change now with this whole no blows above the shoulder. Secondly, he should have got a penalty because his, most of his body weight landed on Mike Riley. And that, in the CFL rule book, is roughing the passer. Hey, it didn't look like like he slammed him. Yeah, he landed on top of him, but he didn't what, you know, pile drive. Doesn't him. have to slam him. If, yeah. if he lands with his body weight on the quarterback, it's a penalty. Alas, it was not a penalty. The touchdown stood. Yeah. Um, and now, and now, I'm so upset that I didn't have a chance to listen to the six thirty chat after or post oh. because that would have been really good. You know what? And Dave and Morley, they're really level headed guys. Um, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not sure about the fans that were calling in, but um, it shouldn't have come down to that. If you are. No. Trying to win a game on a challenge? Nah, that's that's not going to happen. And <laughs> still on that play, and I know the butterfly effect and all these things. If Willie doesn't kill 12 seconds, does right. Riley have another play from the eight to send this game to overtime? And I would not like yep. their chances on that in that situation. Well, okay, so here's my theory on that. Would they have thrown the Hail Mary? With that much time left on that. Yeah, side. that's why there's you know the butterfly effect and all that stuff. Right. So, so I mean, yeah, it, it looks like you know those 12, 15 seconds that he runs off saves him at the end of the game. Uh, you know, not to mention the tackle at the eight yard line after a tip drill, which is usually run in for a touchdown. Ed Gray, Ed uh, Gainey saves that game, man. <laughs> but I mean, you're not you're not throwing that hail mary with twenty seconds left on the clock either. You're gonna you know try to get to midfield and throw the hail mary from there. Yeah. So, I, I mean, you put Edmonton in a situation where they had to throw the Hail Mary at the end of the game, which they were going to do anyway. It was just a different point on the field. So this way, if that same play happens, but it's 10 yards up, then, yeah, it's a touchdown. So I, I get that, but, I mean, there wouldn't have been time for another play. This is really bizarre, but the Riders did not win the season series with Edmonton because they didn't win by enough points. Yeah, I texted you and said they need the touchdown to win the season series, and then Lowther kicked the field goal. So while the Eskimos are fifth in the West, they can still finish. They can finish second, can't they? <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? If the Riders lose out and the Esks win out, they can still have a home playoff game. Now, I know there's Bombers and Lions that have something to say about that as well, but... <laughs> This is nowhere near decided, man. The Riders have a playoff spot. That's all that they have. And this ended up being a massive win for them with Winnipeg beating Ottawa. It is huge. It, it, uh, like To host the West Semi after what looked like 
the offense was going to piss this season away. Oh, that Don't Montreal loss in July? I still hate like, Chris Jones. Wow. I still hate Chris Jones. <laughs> Nothing will ever change that. I don't care if they win a great cup. What if he wins five um, straight? Nope. Come on! No, there's no way that happens because he's going to win one and leave. Yeah, I, I could see him heading south if he gets a championship like, this year like, or next. Oh, crap. We're in salary cup trouble again. See ya. Yeah. Uh, let me go work on uh, BC once Hervey gets fired. <laughs> yeah, or can you imagine if he goes and turns Montreal around? Well, if he can do that, I will kiss then, his feet. Oh man, kiss the ring! <laughs> I would. I'll be the first guy in line to uh, kiss Chris Jones' feet. Uh, we are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. There is something for you know everybody. When it comes to the Alberta Podcast Network, the business and marketing uh, section there. There's the Work Not Work podcast, where uh, people have turned their passion into a profession. That, I think, is a great idea. Never work a day in your life. Brazilian Thai, what's your passion? Uh, Eating terrible food and drinking copious amounts of Coca-Cola on my days off. Now, how do you turn that into a job? <laughs> uh, that is a great question. Yeah, we got to figure it out. We got to listen to this podcast. <laughs> Guess what I had for supper yesterday? What's that? Box of top, okay? Of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. We will talk to you on Thursday. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.